Hello all, and welcome to Brewing with Jim, hosted by Jim Brewington. Jim is a pastor and a teacher, and has served in these roles for the past 45 years. He has worked in small churches and megachurches, primarily as a teacher serving both the hearing and the deaf population. We have surveyed the students here at CVCS and do our best to create a genuine conversation around the talking points the students want to know most about. Thank you all for listening and taking time to brew on Life's Questions with Jim. Hello all and welcome to Brewing with Jim. I am your producer, Grady Sanchez, and as always, we're accompanied with Jim. How you doing, Jim? Good. Thanks, uh, Grady. Thank you. We've been gone a couple of weeks, and um, I think we've decided we don't ever want to do that again. Right. So we're going to stockpile a few of these shows and uh, have them available. Uh, so if we're not available, the shows will be. Is that, is that our decision? Yeah, the, show, the shows will always be available, but trying to keep a steady stream <clears throat> as uh, – we go out for Christmas break from the studio, so we're going to have some, uh, some shows continually coming out as, as we are stepping away from our classrooms for right. two weeks or so. Right. More for you guys to listen to as you have the free time and uh, more conversations to have with the family. So looking forward to bringing you guys some new uh, tableside topics. And uh, so the first one of today... First one. ...is with a... With being part of the church and also speaking from a Christian school, and we sing these songs about Christ is our foundation, Christ is the cornerstone. Jim, let's try to unpack this idea of what it is to be and have Christ as your foundation. Jim, can you give some insight onto this topic for all, all the young listeners out there? I can, for the old listeners too. Yes, that's right. All of them. I wish I had seen face-to-face the uh, listener who asked this question, so I'd have more specifics to work with, but let's go for it here. A foundation is the base of anything. It's the base upon which anything is built. It could be a house. It could be a building. It could be a philosophy. It could be a school. It could be whatever principle uh, people stand upon uh, as a base. It's a foundation. So let me take the idea of a house foundation because it's easy to imagine that. I, was, I started to say to see it, but I, you really can't see it if the house is built upon it. But uh, house foundation, everyone has seen one of those. And then I'll um, make an analogy. Let that be an analogy for uh, Jesus as our foundation. We need a foundation that has several characteristics. One is it has to be true. It has to be genuine. It has to be the real thing. You want the foundation to not be phony. Um, It can't look like a foundation and then be plastic because it won't work as it's supposed to work. It's, um, I think that, uh, well, let me wait until... I uh, talk about Jesus as the foundation, and we'll talk about phony Jesus. Um, It has to be strong. It has to be able to um, support everything that is built upon it must be strong. It has to be steadfast so that uh, any circumstance that comes upon it, like weather or flood 
or earthquake, uh, the foundation continues to stand and be steadfast. Uh, and it can't be affected by circumstances. By now double think all of this because I'm really talking about the house and I'm talking about Jesus in our lives too. It has to be uh, steadfast, that is to say, not, uh, not moved when something comes into the house and, uh, and bothers the house. Uh, it does not change. It stays as it is all the time. It can't deteriorate because if it deteriorates over time, becomes less than what it is supposed to be, less than what it was, its purpose is, then it will no longer be able to withhold uh, that which is built upon it. And then it becomes, if it's a house foundation, uh, the owner or the dweller in the house, it becomes their identity. This is where I live. This is my foundation. This is, nobody says that, I guess, but this is my house. And I live here, and I know the address, and I've lived here for a long time. Uh, this is where I live. Now, let me break all of those characteristics down uh, and talk about Jesus as the foundation. First of all, I said the foundation has to be true. can't be phony. There are people in this world who believe that Jesus is someone other than he said he is. There are people who believe that he um, is one God among many gods, and he isn't. There are, so that's a different Jesus. There are people who believe that Jesus uh, is the brother of the archangel Michael, and he isn't. There are people who believe that Jesus is a created being. He is not. He is eternal. He is the eternal God. He has presented himself that way, and he uh, was telling the truth, and I'll tell you in just a moment why I believe it, was, it is the truth. He said that uh, he is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So the truth isn't just a collection of accurate data or facts that everyone agrees are true. The truth is a person. And there is our foundation. We are standing on, living on, building our lives upon a real person, a real foundation. I am uh, convinced that Jesus is the true God because the Bible says so. And the more I have read the Bible, the more I have taught it, because if you teach it, you really have to kind of understand what's going on there. And the more I have uh, had my relationship with Christ, I'm a Christian because I believe it's true. I think I became a Christian because I was raised in a Christian family, and I was raised in the church, and I didn't make the decision that I wanted to be in God's family based upon a lot of study. But since then, I am reassured that that decision for, that I made to become a Christian is based on truth. Uh, one of the questions we got, I just thought of this, uh, from one of the listeners or one of the students was, um, how do we know that Christianity is the true religion? Well, we know Christianity is the true religion. Uh, it's not something I believe, it's what the Bible says. And so I have to base that decision, that assessment that it's true 
uh, on the Bible, and therefore I have to know the Bible is true. And I don't want to go through all of the apologetics. Of yeah, we can get to that on a future show. Proving that the scriptures are true, but uh, the evidence is overwhelming, compelling, and convincing that it is true. Okay, now um, let's talk about truth. Um, as I said, it's not a collection of accurate data. It's a person, and uh, it doesn't change. The truth is the truth. It's an absolute uh, steadfastness. The foundation is Jesus going to be steadfast enough that he can withstand all of the environmental, spiritual, physical, um, marital, relational problems that uh, come my way. And yes, he is steadfast. He is strong in his steadfastness. I grew up in a town in West Texas, Lubbock, and people always mispronounce it. They say Lubbock, but there's no ick in Lubbock, uh, home of Texas Tech University. And that town has sandstorms that are unbelievable. Um, just if you're curious, go to YouTube and search Lubbock sandstorms. They are unbelievably blinding, and they hurt, and traffic stops, and houses are blown away. They're like tornadoes in that sense. But the foundations always stay the same. They're always there. We have in our lives, don't we, circumstances that come to us uh, that are just gritting, horrible circumstances. If my foundation is Jesus and he is steadfast, I am strong in being able to withstand with his help all of those circumstances. All right, um, it does not change. The foundation can't change or deteriorate, and Jesus doesn't change. Uh, there are some people who believe that Jesus has changed, but they're wrong. One of the attributes of God is immutability. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change, and he does not lessen in his being. He is always who he is. And so that strength is, or that, uh, that steadfastness that he does not change and does not deteriorate um, makes my foundation or our foundation in Jesus strong. He's also my identity. Uh, I know where I live. Uh, people, people absorb different um, factors in the world as their identity. I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm an Independent, I am a Presbyterian, I'm a Roman Catholic, I'm a Muslim, I am, um, what else? I am my profession, uh, I am my addiction, I am an alcoholic, I am a gambling addict. Uh, there are programs that preach that kind of thing. Never, ever, ever set your identity in something that can be taken away from you. And the congregation you belong to can be taken away from you. The political party can be taken away from you. It can change. I have lived long enough to see our political parties change enormously. The only identity that I have that cannot be taken away from me comes from the book of Ephesians. I am in Christ, and he is my foundation. He is where I live. My identity is in Christ. Nobody 
can take that away from me. Now, there is a passage in Luke chapter 6 that says, but the one who has heard and not acted accordingly, heard what? Heard about Jesus, has heard or read, uh, and is aware of, and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, and the river burst against it, and it immediately collapsed, and the ruin of the house was total or great. All right, where do I get this foundation? How do I acquire it? First Corinthians chapter 3. For no one can lay a foundation, so we can't lay our own foundation. No one can lay a foundation other than the one which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the source. He is the truth. He is the steadfastness. He is the... Now, you can pick something else for a foundation, and it will not have these characteristics. It will not be as a foundation is to be. So there's my response to that question. You think that was adequate? Uh, yes, and <laughs> and in conversation, what what does a life look like without Jesus as a foundation? It wavers. It, it's it's full of anxiety. It's full of fear. It's full of um, wonderment and worry about the future. Um, having Jesus as a foundation is a form of worship. People are going to either worship or worry. The more you worry, the less you worship. The more you worship, the less you worry. And um, not all anxiety, some is physiological and chemical, I understand that, clinical anxiety. But people who are uh, wavering in what is right and what is wrong. I've asked people, couples in premarital counseling, who do not really have Jesus as a foundation, how do you know what's right and what's wrong? How do you decide that? And they look at each other and exchange glances and say, well, um, hmm, well, if it's against the law, it's wrong. Well, yes, the Bible would agree with that, but the law changes. And uh, it's not an absolute. When I was young, adultery was a felony. Now it's the subject of TV sitcoms, and it's practiced frequently. So there is no absolute right and wrong for people who do not have Jesus as a foundation. They are swayed by the world instead of led by the Lord. And then one is, what is a good way to start laying a foundation? Like, how do we get that first cement pour in there or put the, put the retaining walls on, on our space? My answer is going to be that we can't lay our own foundation and if you're curious about what a relationship with Jesus is like, just take a gamble and pray and say, or, or somehow acknowledge, Jesus, I want to be in your family, and I don't know how to lay you as a foundation. Can you take care of that? He's the Lord. Mm. Depend on him to do it. He wants it. He wants it for us. Let him do it. He has all the strength. He has the steadfastness. He has the... the uh, the base, uh, and he is the truth. So let him do it. Very good. There's a lot to unpack there for future shows and 
And what a great starting point for a lot of people who are looking for Christ to be that person for them. And this is a great kickoff point for a lot of people. Um, when we're singing in church and you have those first churchgoers and they're saying, Christ is my firm foundation, that was, that was good, a good yeah. understanding of, of what it actually means to have him in the middle and not only um, what the benefits are in being a bond servant to Christ and all the things that come with it, but also like what is the opposite? What, what, are, what is the life that they're leaving? And that was great. Jim, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I agree with your summary of what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have? On a lighter note, the holidays are here. We are joining with people. We're gathering with people. Um, last week we talked about um, our Christmas tree traditions. And in my family, we have an Uncle Bob or a quote-unquote Uncle Bob my question for you is... Quote, unquote? Yes. Air quotes. Oh, you mean the name. Yes. Okay. Yes, not a literal Uncle Bob, but the person who is at the table who kind of hogs the conversation, they bring up the things, <laughs> the unmentionables, um, just to stir up the crowd or just because they have no decorum, I guess. What's an unmentionable? <laughs> unmentionable <laughs> at Thanksgiving or Christmas or the holidays at the table, typically it's... Uh, politics and religion, or mm-hmm. they like to spout off uh, nonsense about something, or they're bringing up past. Like w- people just kind of want to get through those times. Do you have any advice to? So he's dominating the the conversation. Yeah, he's dominating the conversation about things that nobody really wants to. And talk he's talking about, about himself. <laughs> yes. Is that, okay. Yeah. Sometimes his own thoughts or beliefs. Um, Is there anyone, any family who doesn't have an uncle Bob or an aunt? Bobette. Bobette, <laughs> yes. There's always w- one in the shows. I, even at, uh, we had a little uh, faculty party the other day, and one of my colleagues was just saying, who's going to bring up, like, a, just this off-topic? Who's going to mix the wheel? Who's, who's going to, like, spoil this night with some sort of off-the-cuff conversation? I was just like, hmm, uh-huh. I like that idea. Let's, let's talk about it here on the show. So do you have... Um, any experience with yes. the Uncle Bob and maybe some ways to uh, yes. politely let them down or politely? Uh, there, I don't know. Um, politely. I think that um, Uncle Bob was created in the image of God. God loves him. And I sit there and figure, how and why? And what is going on? Isn't oh, God annoyed with this? I don't know. Um, Uncle Bob, let's regard Uncle Bob as um, an object of our love. Now, that doesn't mean I want to get in a car with Uncle Bob and go on a long road trip. I don't. I don't. Uh, But Uncle Bob uh, is probably talking because he wants acceptance because he thinks that what he is saying is more interesting than anyone else uh, and what they're saying. Uh, I'm going to go back to Matthew 18. I am just such a strong believer in Matthew 18. You have a problem with your brother, go to your brother privately. That's in the book right there. And work it out. Let him know what the issue is. Maybe he's unaware. Uh, probably is unaware, 
because if he wants to please other people by aggrandizing himself uh, with this conversation, uh, he's failing. He's actually pushing other people away, right, as you described him. I would go to him privately, um, not call him away from the Thanksgiving table, but talk to him and say, you know, uh, I, I may be the only one here, but now I'm using soft language. Um, when you are with us, there are other people who may want to say some things, and are you aware that you're pretty much dominating the conversation here? And everyone else is just forced to be quiet. And now, that's not a script for how to talk to Uncle Bob. Uh, I could probably rewrite that with more success. But talk to him and talk to him lovingly and talk to him with soft language and don't wag our fingers in his face. And uh, let him be aware of what is going on. Perhaps. I would say probably he will change. And I'm not sure that he would drastically change his personality, but at least he's aware of what people are thinking or what we think people are thinking, what I'm thinking. Uh, I would go to him privately and talk to him. That's the first step in Matthew 18. Mm, Does like, that sound yeah, that was good, like an approach? Uh, yeah, I'm... As I'm working through this question myself, I've, I just watched a movie with my daughter. It's about a little lizard. It's on Netflix. And there's a girl. About a little lizard. Lizard? Yeah. Okay. And the girl in the movie, she talks too much. And the lizard can speak. And so it's uh, he's like, hey, you talk too much. <laughs> Why don't you try <laughs> listening sometime? And so that kind of like changed the girl's. Uh, how she got, she ended up getting friends and like listening to people and growing and a bunch of stuff. But that is an excellent way to just kindly say, hey, maybe you pass on the conversation to somebody else and maybe you gain something from what other people have to say rather than just trying to dominate the idea. Because so it doesn't even need to necessarily attribute to Uncle Bob, but even the person who just speaks too much and doesn't really have a time to just hey, listen to somebody else. So that's that's an excellent answer for even the question, the underlying question that was said, I guess. Well, I hope so. I, I just remembered that a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, um, I had an accident and uh, I was in the hospital. I was in ER. And um, there was a nurse who came in, uh, several nurses who came into a room where I was waiting for uh, results of tests and so forth. And the nurse um, who was putting in the IV was loquacious. She talked on and on and on and ever-loving on, and it was annoying. And I was in too much pain to say anything to her. Okay, fast forward. I'm out of the hospital. The hospital sends me uh, a questionnaire to explain to evaluate my stay at the hospital and I wrote down that one nurse was annoyingly loquacious and that's it I don't know if that's going to change her but talking on and on and on and ever loving on is what, what I'm doing right now is uh, not attractive listening is more attractive I think because mm -hmm. you even have those movies where they're depicting the first date 
and the girl or the guy, whoever's the person who talks too much about themselves, and then they dig themselves into a hole, and they're like, why can't I get a second date? Well, maybe we... Uh, maybe. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Um, when uh, someone is talking, uh, and you're maybe at the table, and you mentioned politics, and you mentioned religion, um, there are people who sit at the table and talk about something that has no substance. They talk about the weather. They talk about the food. I'm not saying the food isn't. I know you're that guy. But I'm not that guy. Yeah. Um, Would you prefer to have uh, some substantive conversation that requires thought and we're talking about concepts? Or is it better, do you think, to have a light conversation that might include everybody and they can express their thoughts about um, whether they should use salt and pepper? I think the audience dictates who, who that is. So sometimes, oh, that's good. Sometimes it's easier. You see one person one time a year. Why ruin an, another? Why why ruin that moment? Right. But there's other times where, hey, like like you said, we need to talk brother to brother here, man to man or woman to woman, and hey, right. we need to work through this thing because yeah. I see you and I I care about you more than that super superficiality of that moment. So. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, sometimes we need to keep the peace and make it through the moment. And then other times it's, hey, we, we need a, a life-giving conversation here. And maybe we can both get better for it. And if we don't, then we got to fix that one too. Or maybe we just lovingly go into that superficial. <laughs> maybe you made another superficial relationship, but oh, in see. that time you work through that. When you mention uh, politics and religion, those uh, topics are uh, potentially controversial just by nature. Mm -hmm. And are you saying that maybe we should avoid confrontation at the table? Um, I would think yes. That's not the place for it. That's not the place for it. So the essence of this question was like, hey, you have a person who loves bringing up those controversies or controversial topics at the inappropriate time. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The time is inappropriate. The place is inappropriate. It's supposed to be a place of what relaxation, mm-hmm. uh, friendship, but that doesn't mean that the uh, topics have to be shallow. Right. Right. I'm not quite sure where that line is drawn, actually. I'm with some people who are um, intellectual, and that in my mind means that they have curiosities and they find the answers and they want to talk about uh, something that stimulates their intellect. Uh, and then I'm with some other people uh, whom I love and care just as much for who don't have that tendency, who don't really talk about intellectual things, uh, talk about uh, those things that cause um, deeper thought, if you will. Uh, I think there's a place for both. Mm -hmm. And the wise person is going to determine where am I and with whom am I, who's here, and respond uh, according to their needs, their wants, their abilities, and their skills. And that, to me, would be more loving. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. That's great help for all of those Christmas gatherings that you guys will be having here (laughs) in the near future and forever on as we gather together with family, with friends, and with our loved ones. Um, Let them down easy or understand who your audience is. Um, Lovely to have you all listening on the show this week. 
please send us an email with your thoughts, your questions, your feedback at brewingwithjim at gmail.com. We'd love to interact with you and get to know our audience a little bit better. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you guys soon. Topics covered and answers offered in Brewing with Jim mine the wisdom attained from a life of pastoral ministry and care. They do not constitute professional or clinical training or expertise in the areas of counseling or mental health. CVCS and its podcast network want to provide a platform for the discipleship of our community. Brewing with Jim is our attempt to foster that environment in a format that is accessible and open for all to partake in. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and may or may not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Capistrano Valley Christian Schools or its faculty. The material and information presented here are for general information purposes only. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.